Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Following through is the most important thing I have found with my son. It's also a lesson in like making sure that the threat that you made is something you can follow through on. We were sitting in front of some people on an airplane once and they told their kid, if you keep kicking the seat, we're going to leave you on the airplane. Guys, I am so excited about today. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. You guys, I have someone who's like pretty much a big deal in the parenting space today. Her name is Emily Oster. She might be the most different brained person I've had on this show. (laughs) Emily Oster is an economist and her brain works, let's just say, on the left side, whereas I'm sort of more on the right side, a creative, artsy, fartsy type. But she and I talk so much about her books, Expecting Better and Crib Sheet, which were staples in my house during my pregnancy and when I had small, small babies. We talk a lot today about her third book, The Family Firm, A Data-Driven Guide to Better Decision-Making in the Early School Years. It's out now. Be sure to buy your copy wherever books are sold. She also has been hugely helpful to me during this time because she has a newsletter And on Instagram, she focuses a lot on helping us parent small, unvaccinated children through COVID and is helping us cipher through all of the information during this COVID time of parenting. She and I talk a lot about how to run the family in the early school years, why a business model might work for big decision making within your family. She's a professor of economics at Brown University. 
Her academic work focuses on health economics and statistical methods. Her work has been featured in The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, CNBC, and more. She's married to an economist, Jesse Shapiro. So I guess somewhere far, far, far distant, she and I might be related or our husbands are related. Who the hell knows? She has two children, Penelope and Finn. Emily, welcome to Katie's Crib. I am so thrilled and honored today to have the one and only Emily Oster here. And it's so weird because I'm so woo-woo and emotional and like actory and you're an economist, which I don't even think I've said that word in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But what I find what quiets and eases my emotional headspace is your fact-finding and your cut-and-dry factual nature is so relatable and accessible to new moms, moms with toddlers, and now moms, thank you to the family firm for the early school years. Can you just tell us, for those listening who don't know who Emily Oster is, first, follow her on Instagram. Second, subscribe to her newsletter. Third, get her books and tell your friends to get her books. How's that? How's that? That's great. That's a good intro. That's a good intro. Good press. (laughs) Okay. But first, like, just in short, because I want to spend most of the today talking about Family Firm, but can you tell us just a little bit for anyone who may not know Expecting Better and Crib Sheet, the quick pitch? (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) The quick pitch. So I think it's easiest to sort of say why I wrote them, um, which is, you know, I, I am a person who likes data and facts and who more than anything else likes to understand why. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, who's now like 10, there was uh, a lot of do this without why. This was a sort of like, here's your list of things not to do. And you'd be like, why? And they'd be like, well, it's on the list. Didn't you get the list? We can get you another copy. It's like, not have the list. And so, you know, expecting better is really kind of like, what's the data behind pregnancy? It's a sort of like crazy neurotic ladies like dig in to, you know, how do we think about that data? What's good data? What's not good data? Why do they tell you not to have sushi is the same reason they tell you not to have deli turkey. It's not the same reason it turns out. Like, how can you sort of parse those different, um, those different things to make choices that are, that are informed, um, that are sort of your choices. It's like, guys, here's the list of why eating sushi during pregnancy factually might be bad. And here are the statistics and numbers of what could happen if something goes wrong. And here's the list of people who do eat sushi during pregnancy. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just going to give you all the hard, fast, true criteria so that you can make the decision that you want to make rather than what we're told, which is no caffeine, no sushi, no alcohol, whatever. Now between us, I had sushi and and then again, here I am seeing like, shh, I had sushi and I drank wine for both my pregnancies and I had turkey meat. All I craved was deli meat, like craved it. A weirdly large number of people crave deli meats who like to will be like, well, normally I don't like to. For me, it was like tuna melts. That was like, mm. I was just like, oh, oh. I mean, in normal life, I, don't, I mean, I don't really like a tuna melt, but it was just like, <laughs> I don't know. Like the baby is just like, oh, I love tuna. Oh, hilarious. So expecting better really focuses on a lot of these pregnancy no's we're getting and you must and you have to and all of this. And because you're an economist and your parents are also both and my husband. And your husband. Everyone's an economist. And also, by the way, you married Jesse Shapiro, the economist, and I, I married Adam Shapiro, the actor. Nice. So, so we're really. Our children are all Shapiros. Oh, they're all Shapiros. <laughs> your kids are all Shapiros, even though you're still a Lowe's. Yes. And I'm still an Ostra. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so everyone, why I love expecting better, but quickly, even though it deserves so much more time, are there actually things to be afraid of? Because like, if you just have a little iota of critical thinking in your head and you're curious, I find that information is power when I know I'm all of a sudden not nervous about it. It just makes more sense. I think the other thing is, you know, if, if particularly as you sort of move to like end of pregnancy and think about childbirth and all this stuff, I think that there's like such an information asymmetry that it's almost hard to have those conversations about like what kind of birth do you want to have with your medical provider because you don't know anything. And I think there's a little bit of this book, which is like, look, I am not a a medical doctor. I do not, you do not want me in the delivery room. But, you know, you read this, you can get a better sense of like, how should I think about induction? How do I think about an epidural? Like, how should I understand labor? So then your questions, you're just not like, well, where does it come out of? Right. You know, and it's more like, okay, now I understand some of this data and we can sort of be have a more informed conversation. It's so great. And oddly goes very well with my emotional woo-woo. LA actory mind. So there you have it. Okay. And now then we had, thank God for crib sheet. Did I get it to you in time? So most people are like, you like miss me by here. You get okay. No, I have a three and a half year old and I have a seven month old. So I was, I'm in the crib sheet wonder years. Like I'm like in the perfect spot, but tell us about crib sheet. So crib sheet is really sort of the sequel. So like expecting better kind of ends in the delivery room. Crib sheet starts in the delivery room. I think the last chapter and the first chapter are actually really similar. And then it goes through all this kind of early child, like early baby stuff, sleep training, co-sleeping, breastfeeding, you know, kind of ending around potty training with all the same idea about like, let's think about what the data is. You know, people tell you if you don't breastfeed your kid, they'll never have superpowers. And in fact, like, that's not true. They're not going to have superpowers, even if you do breastfeed them. Or like, I love the chapter on like, will TV make your child an idiot? It's like, in truth, like this, the actual studies that exist in the world Emily Oster has looked at them, has gone over them with a fine tooth comb. Like what's out there when you study thousands and thousands of kids and the amount of TV they've watched? Like right now, thus far, there's nothing out there that really says shit, to be honest. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. My husband was allowed one hour of TV and the one hour he chose was the Cosby show. I watched TV on my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle dinner tray every day from four to seven, Monday through Friday. And I'm an actor. So who the hell knows? But we're both actors. See, my parents are like very regimented. We could have one hour of TV a day. It was like only on PBS. We got to watch square one. And my husband like watched TV all the time. He like and so now, you know, we have the same job. And I think there's a lot of that stuff in that time where it's sort of like, we don't know that much, but what we do know suggests that like, for the most part, it's a little bit dealer's choice. Like you kind of should feel confident in whatever the choices are that work for your family, because, you know, is this an opportunity to mess up my kid? Like, no, it's not. It's neither an opportunity to mess your kid up or like optimize your kids. You got to do what what makes you happy. So good. And now this past year, I feel like you are part of my everyday life. Emily Oster has taken her incredible economist fact-seeking, fact-finding, deciphering all of the information in the information age for us regarding COVID and children. The CDC has kind of left, the kids have been left out of the equation, so to speak, right? Like, because they're not the ones getting very, very sick, they're not vaccinated, We don't know if they can be around grandma and grandpa. We don't know if we can take them to visit family they haven't seen in two years. And no one's giving us the answers. Your newsletter has been such a game changer. Are you like the only person helping us? Is there anybody? There are many, I think, really good, really good people who are sort of writing about this. 
people in this space. But what there isn't is like the CDC, which is kind of what we need. So interesting to think about how particularly on the kids stuff, like the difference in attitudes between the US and Europe. Europe it's not just that they had more in-person school, which of course is true. It's also that I think the whole attitude was like, okay, kids are not high risk and, you know, but we're going to need to make some sacrifices to protect some older people, but we're going to try not to make kids sacrifice if we can. And then, you know, once old people are vaccinated, like we're going to kind of like let kids do, you know, do their thing. And I think here we're willing to make kids sacrifice more and are kind of then having a lot of trouble backing away from some of the fear. Their fear has outpaced their their reality. I completely agree. The thing that I tried to do a lot of this this year was the sort of like, here's the data and here's the like decision framing around it. It's going to tell you something. It's not going to tell you everything. People are going to have different risk tolerances. You need a way to take that data and translate it into a decision. And that that's the piece that's so hard. It's not that you can't see what the case rates are. It's just like some abstract number. And I think that's that's been the really hard thing. Did you have a newsletter before? Yeah. So what happened is my publisher at some point was like, this was like December 2019. They were like, look, why don't you like start a newsletter? You can like write every you know month or so. It'll be like a good way to just like stay in contact. And when the book comes out, you can, you know, write a little more and like people can. OK, fine. So I was like, all right. So January of 2020, I started the newsletter and then, you know, I wrote two things. And then like maybe the fourth post is like, hey, has anyone a lot of people are asking me about this coronavirus thing. And then I started writing much more about that, partly because people were like asking and asking and asking. And I sort of started thinking about the data and so on. I think the the sort of big pivot was like at some point in May, I wrote this really long post about should I see my grandparents? And that post had like a half a million views. It got people in. And then here we are 18 months later. And I have so much giant peanut butter. And also <laughs> a totally different job. <laughs> You know, I spent the whole last year, like while I was doing all this stuff, I was also the chair of the tenure and promotions committee at the university. And I had like, I have like a real job. I read everybody's tenure packets, the whole university. How do you sleep? And you have two children, correct? We even talked about this. I did not do a lot of economics research over the last year. I did a lot of this other COVID research and family firm situation. Yeah. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 
Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. old are your children? Six and 10. Okay. So this brings us into your most recent book, The Family Firm. I just had my first conversation about like, what are you lottering into for public school? And I was like, beep, 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 beep. This sounds like hell on earth. And so I'm about to embark into the family firm situation. So this is your new book. It's called The Family Firm, A Data-Driven Guide to Better Decision-Making in the Early School Years. You do use the the things that we know and love about you from Crib Sheet and Expecting Better, the data-driven stuff, but things have had to shift. Tell me a little bit about this book. This book, I think, is in some ways really quite different. Expecting Better, Crib Sheet, these are kind of like pieces of this that are sort of exactly that next. You know, there are pieces like, okay, you know, I told you about the potty training data. I told you about the screen time data in little kids. Now let's look at this. You know, how do we think about the screen time data in big kids? What do we know about social media? And then there's some stuff on schools and extracurriculars. And like, there's, you know, there's pieces that are kind of the, the data pieces. How much sleep does your kid need? How did they learn to read? Like all that kind of stuff. But the thing about this era of like parenting is it is hard in a different way. It's almost like the primacy of logistics, sort of logistics and unexpected decisions, right? And sort of so much of my job is like, where, like who's going to drive my kids to stuff? should they go to things that we have to drive to, right? And I think part of what happens is we aren't always as intentional about those choices as we might be. For example, which rang very true to me in the book, but like my nephew was like, I want to play soccer. He's like seven or something. And he got on the travel league. And then all of a sudden, it's what you said, his parents spent like six months driving their child all over the state of Virginia to play soccer. And the kid doesn't like soccer anymore. And I'm like, well, that was really ridiculous. I mean, you could say like, you know, maybe travel soccer is what you envisioned. But if you didn't envision travel soccer, and you sort of said yes, because you kind of didn't think that much about or, you know, you just sort of like they were whining, or for whatever reason, like the sort of choices that we make, that's going to matter a lot. And so I think there's a sort of argument here for intentionality. And so there's a big part of the first part of the book, which is like, kind of how do you scaffold that intentionality? 
And so actually there's some work. And I think this is a thing that like for the people who are like, I thought you were the lady who told me I could have sushi. And I read your first book and you said that I could have sushi. And that my kids could watch some TV and it would be okay. And then like, that was great. And now you're t- now you're giving me worksheets. Like now you're like the worksheet lady. I'm asking people to come along a little bit, like to say like, listen, you trusted me on that stuff. Come along a little bit. Let's try. I suspect that for more people than realize this, that sitting with this a little bit and thinking, it wouldn't be so hard to like write down what are the three things in the day that I really want to have. So tell me about this business model now that you're asking us to come along and do a little bit of like some businessy organization for your family. Walk me through the framework in the family system. The analogy to business is just that businesses do not make their decisions on a whim. When you are running a business, you do not just sign up for travel soccer. Just to appease your kid who's whining that minute. Exactly. When your employee comes and whines to you about wanting, like you don't just do things. That's the most important sort of businessy analogy. And then there are some other like more bit more really businessy things, which is like, okay, businesses have like systems for follow-up or systems for decision making. And so I've got this basically four-step system for big decisions. Oh, the four Fs? Yeah. So, okay, the family board meeting is happening. Take us through the four Fs of if you were going to decide to send your kid to sleepaway camp or not. The first F is to frame the question. Think about what are the realistic alternatives. The question of sleepaway camp has been raised. Your kid's like, I want to go, you know, Matilda went, whatever it is, you know, and, you know, so you want to say like, okay, A, is this realistic? Like sleepaway camp costs money. There are some constraints and it may be that that's like not feasible and we're not having that conversation and that's fine. You kind of want to get to a question of like, are we doing X or Y? In this case, it's probably, are we going to sleep away camp or not? And I think then, or not, sometimes I tell people like, or not's not an option, but here like, or not kind of is an option because it's sort of obvious what the default is. But I think there's a, there's a sort of space there for saying there to take a moment at the beginning and just ask like, is this really a question that we can answer that we would be able to answer in a concrete way? So are we going to sleep away camp or not? Second F is fact find, which is a wrapper for get all the information you need. And it's something like sleepaway camp. I put that in sort of a couple of different categories. One is like the question of like, what does the data say about, is this a good idea for kids? What are the risks and and benefits? You sort of dig into the data on sleepaway camp, which is actually super interesting. And it it's actually quite good. There's some like very positive aspects of sleepaway camp, but they're mostly about belonging. Sleepaway camp is a place that you can be with other kids that are not your peer group, that are not your school peer group. But then there's also like in this fact finding, this is a a wide space and that information, that data can shape a little bit. So if you sort of said, okay, like, you know, is there something in particular that my kid really likes, like something, you know, that they want to, some part of their identity, spend some time getting that information. And then the third thing here is a final decision. There's a sense in which with a lot of these big decisions and sleep away camp may be less than some others, but like where you just let it dribble and dribble on, like you don't make it, you know, we sort of like talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Like, here's this other, I got this little piece of information. Well, maybe that should change our decision. Oh, what about this other thing? Whatever. And so I think the idea here is to say, there's one step where you get all the information and another step where you have the information and you are going to make a decision. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a meeting, but I like, I like a good meeting where you kind of like sit and you decide, and then you try to like implement and you try to move on. The last F is follow-up. This is the piece that you're the front, the travel soccer situation sometimes misses. We often make these decisions and we're just like, okay, we're going to make it. And then we're like, not going to have a plan to revisit it. But almost all the decisions you make of this type 
could have some revisiting. Even if it's like, what school do I choose or something sort of bigger, you can change your mind. We're always going to have the follow-up. Let's also talk about the importance of following through. Uh, In your book, you note that if rules aren't enforced sooner than later, that eventually the actions are going to need to occur anyway. Like, okay, you know, you use that example of a mother trying to let go and let her kid make breakfast for themselves. Like what other sort of tips and research do you have that can encourage us to stick to following through? It's interesting you say, so I think a toddlerhood is about where that starts. Toddler in on down, like consistency is like a huge thing for behavior and for security, right? So I think that kids, kids like to know what the rules are. They do not like the idea that the rule would change in the middle. That doesn't mean you have to have rules for everything, but I think that it is, um, there is that value in consistency. It's also a lesson in like making sure that the threat that you made is something you can follow through on. So I was like a very salient moment to me was we were sitting in front of some people on an airplane once and they told their kid, if you keep kicking the seat, we're, like, we're going to leave you on the airplane, which is like, first of all, is mean, but also like, that's like not a nice thing to say, but also you couldn't do that. I mean, this is just forgotten about because, you know, for some reason, when you've made the decision, it just seems, it just seems so hard to make a change. There's a huge amount of cognitive dissonance because changing is like a way of saying that I made it wrong. If you send your kid to sleep with camp and they don't like it, and then you don't do it again, you're kind of like saying like, I made the wrong decision. I think this is why I'd like to have it as part of an initial decision process is to plan the follow-up. Like my kid's school, I love it so much. Every year we make sure to discuss, are we going to enroll them again? Even though it's obvious what the answer is, I want the like, the sort of like symmetry of even if that conversation's two seconds, even if it's like, let's check in on this. Okay, like the deposits do, are we doing it again? Yes, we are. Okay, like let's move on. So explain this to me for family planning purposes. You use Asana, but a lot of families use Trello. People like Trello. Yeah. Tell me about that. And do you use it every day? There are sort of big project-based things where we use it all the time. So when we did like a house renovation at some point, it was like we were using it every day. We're using it all the time. For us, there's like a huge amount of value in having things written down. Asana is like a good way to track like for big projects to sort of like track things and it can remind you and like put some of the same reasons you use it at work. That is just an efficiency gain. There's no particular reason that we're not doing that at home, except that we don't. There's no reason why loving each other should mean that we can't have task management software. And I think when kids get bigger like this, stuff comes up and and you want to be able to deal with it in a moment that is not necessarily the moment that it comes up. People want to like deal with things right away, but like that's, that may not be a time that I'm like equipped to deal with something, even if it's not that complicated. And so I think there's the sort of value of writing. I love that. I'm going to use Asana too. Right now we're using Google Calendar. Family Google Calendar is like, that's like a huge thing for me. I mean, I have no idea where anyone is unless I look at that thing. Like who's taking who where, what's happening. Do you have everybody has their own calendar? Yeah. Or do you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone has their own calendar and their own color. Yep, me too. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. 
with over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great? At any age, every age. That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com, that's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now, you're running your family like a freaking board meeting at the dining room table, and you're not talking about having to do this for every single little thing, but you're talking about like doing this for the bigger things. Would travel soccer be an example? How would I know a decision was big enough to like really give it? And the answer is like, if it will impact a lot of your hours, are you going to experience this every week in some significant way? So it'd be things like school or major extracurriculars, sleepaway camp, day camp, yeah, like sort of big picture things, not kind of day to day stuff. Like people always say, what are your values? And I always look at it like, okay, well, what do I spend my time doing? If you're spending your time doing it, then it's a value to you and your family. That link, people are often not good at making. They sort of, they think of values as something very abstract and not connected to the thing you're doing. But if, you know, if you're doing something every day, I hope that it's 
something that you value because it's every day, you know, and you're, you're like, what should your Tuesday look like? That's a really important question because that happens every week. Every week there's a Tuesday. And if you hate every Tuesday, like that's not going to, that's not good. So a lot of parenting weighs heavily on a relationship, you know, especially if you guys feel the same or different about things. And I think that this approach with the four F's and running your family with this sort of business model, especially when it comes to decision-making is really helpful when you're co-parenting. Can you explain that a little bit? There is this tendency when we like our partner to sort of think that like everything is going to work out because we love each other and that, you know, sort of we are like, we're always going to agree, but sort of loving each other is not the same as, as always agreeing. And I think that many of the kinds of conflicts that we have, we have them in little pieces, but they are reflecting some like underlying difference in what we think is important. Like if I think it's really important to sit down for dinner every night and you don't think that's important then you may be willing to like go along with it some of the time, but you're not going to necessarily help. And, you know, if I think it's important to happen, even if I'm not there, maybe you're not going to do it because you don't think it's important. You know, if we've surfaced that disagreement and we've decided that there's like some compromise that we've come to or, or that it's so important to me that we're both going to do it or whatever it is, that is, I think, of some value. If it's just that I'm doing it every day and you're like resentfully kind of not helping or something like that's, that's a ongoing conflict. And so I think there's a little bit of a pitch in the book, almost to sort of surfacing those conflicts, surfacing those differences in, in values and priorities, or how we want our day to look or whatever it is, surfacing those at a moment that we're ready to talk about them, rather than surfacing them just in all of in all of the moments when they're happening, when you know, we might get might get mad. A lot of this book is about like, how you get on the same page with your spouse. Yes, yes, that is the biggest thing. I very much personally appreciated that. Many things about having kids are like high stress, but like this this kind of time, I think there's so much hidden conflict because you didn't ever think about this. Like you probably never talked about what is your priority about bedtime? Like, are you an early bedtime? Or like before you had kids, before you married somebody, you weren't like, what time are we going to put our kids to bed? If you disagree about that, you may be fighting about it almost all the time. So I think there's like a pitch here for like, bring those, you know, sort of how do you think about managing those conflicts or at least like bringing them to the fore at a time you can discuss them. I think this is all so great. And in your book, you go through, you know, things like what is the right age to get your kid a cell phone? Oh my God, you guys, I am absolutely terrified. How many extracurricular activities are too much? Should my child go to public or private school? You talk a lot in your book about, for example, you know, a big decision, which I'm going to have to make. A lot of times, People have summer birthdays and they're a little bit on the cusp. And as a result, they don't know whether to have their kid be the oldest in their grade or the youngest in their grade. And so, you know, a lot of people have them hold back for a year. You know, they they start kindergarten a year later, which possibly makes them bigger, smarter, or stronger. Um, and what you emphasize is that the biggest thing is how we measure success. So does the data find that if you hold or red shirt is the term? you redshirt your kid a year behind starting in kindergarten, does that actually mean that they will test better? Does that mean that they will have more loving, fulfilling relationships? In that question, we're kind of running up against some of the limits of like what people can measure. I think, you know, in the case of redshirting, the one place where people, you know, where so that sort of, I think, would push in the direction of, of doing it is if, you know, you think kids are going to struggle to sit still. So I think a lot of people think about this, like about academic readiness, but I think that's probably the wrong 
set of considerations. It is more that the, there's like a lot of like focus demands of kindergarten in the modern era that were not there. Kids are supposed to learn to read somehow in kindergarten and learning to read involves like sitting still for long periods. And when kids are very young and they're compared to their older peers, there can be like an increased diagnosis of learning disabilities, which are basically just because your kid is not sitting still, which is age appropriate, but is missed. So that's part of that. What the hell? When I talk about this stuff in my book, it's like, okay, that's a consideration for parents. But I think then stepping back, it's like, that's a good way to be running things. Like we shouldn't, and it exacerbates inequality in all kinds of ways because some people have these choices and some people don't. So I think basically a better way to say this is like, look, some kids cannot sit still at five and like uh, we should not be expecting them to do that for nine hours a day. You know, I'm terrified because my son, he's in the 13th percentile of height and weight and he's, you know, a mm-hmm. teeny little shrimp. Little. And my brother and husband, they were both those real late bloomers. Yeah. So what findings or approaches have changed you going through pandemic parenting? I had to realize some loss of control, like all of us. And, you know, I mean, I think it comes across like I'm a person who likes structure. We had to give up some of the of this structure. I think the other really big thing for me is like until my kids were out of school, which thank God was only actually the spring of 2020. So they were back in school. But sort of over that, you know, several month period, I think I had a lot of realization about how important in-person school is, which in some ways, like I think influenced a lot of what I did over the last year in the in the policies, but not so much about learning. Actually, it wasn't as difficult to scaffold the learning for my kids for because we have some resources and so on. But I hadn't realize how much being with other kids and sort of learning to navigate the like socio-emotional aspects of of being a kid, how important that was. Um, And I think that's something we were going to learn. I think there's going to be more fallout for how important that was as we sort of think about policy stuff going forward. But even for my kids, the kind of piece of this where sometimes with their school, I'd be like, why aren't they doing more worksheets? When they went back to school last fall, I was just like, who fucking cares? I don't care if they do. Sure. Doesn't really matter. Just like have them hang out like they can do worksheets and other, you know, I mean, I think the way I put it is like I taught my kid to read and it was terrible and he could totally have learned to read later and been happier. And that would have been like completely fine. I know that you're someone that really likes a lot of structure. Me too. The loss of control, you know, now that we're in this weird space of questioning, like, are we in a pandemic? Are we not? Are you right back to gripping control? Because I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's re- I find I'm finding it really hard. There are sort of many more moments where I'm just like, okay, I just have to like accept it. Like, I nothing I can do about this. I just gotta like, I just gotta wait. I cannot like plan my way out of this. I spend so much time talking to my therapist about my like desire to plan my way out of. And she's like, yeah, that's doesn't really sound like something you can plan your way out of. But okay, thanks. I love your therapist. Okay, what's your biggest mom fail? I freak out a lot. I don't believe it. Oh my God, all the time. And like, we were like going somewhere and the, and I was packing, we were trying to pick somebody up and there was some like time pressure of someplace and I couldn't find my phone and I like packed up the car. So it was probably like in the luggage somewhere. And I stood in the middle of the like mud room of our house and I was just like, ah, and I was just screaming and like jumping up. And my daughter was like, my daughter was like, don't do that. We don't like. <laughs> I love it. Okay, what advice can you offer our parents? It's going to be fine. Is it though, Emily Oster? Is it? Is it going to be okay? It is. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to be okay. Finish this sentence. Parenthood is... Joyful. I love it. Coming from such a left brain human being. 
and maybe I'm a little more, I'm like, I really miss my kid right now. I'm like, cause she's at sleepaway camp. <laughs> That's why it's on my mind. I'm picking her up on Sunday. I'm picking her up on Sunday. You've made it. I keep, whenever I say that and I'm like, we just have to make it to the sleepaway years. I think it's been really good. I mean, not that she writes to us, but there's like a great Tina Fey thing where she's trying to get her teenagers to like sit to dinner, dinner with her and like how it's like dating. And I feel like that's what it is when you like wait for letters, you know, it's sort of like, oh, maybe like a text. Like, oh, did they write me? Oh, do they write me? She never writes, you know? And then, and then like for a while I was worried they occasionally make them write and they have to call once a week. But like, then like, I was like very worried something was wrong. And then at some point we got a letter that's like, I didn't write you because I'm too busy. I was like, okay. You are such a gift to all of us parents out here. Congratulations on the family firm. It's amazing. And everyone again, listening, run. Don't walk to get all three of Emily Oster's books and subscribe to her newsletter so you can... Be a parent during these especially epically wild, fucked up times. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. This is great. This is super fun. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Emily Oster as much as I did. Um, I want to hear from you. How are you guys liking the season? What do you want to learn about? What do you want to talk about? You can always find me via email at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? 
M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, Peanut Butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of Peanut Butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.